Most of the time, we talk about how to negotiate better office leases on this podcast. But today, we're going to talk about the supply chain, how its reliability became invaluable during COVID-19, and how its weaknesses showed up in a recent winter storm in Texas. And how all this impacts industrial real estate. When you could no longer go to Walmart, Jeff... Uh, That's Mr. Bezos to you could bring it to my doorstep and know we're on first name basis. <laughs> well, he could bring it to your doorstep in the first case, but not in the second. I'm Jan Gibbons. And I'm Bob Gibbons. And that's on this episode of the Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast. I read an interesting report from Prologis today about logistics, real estate demand, and what they see in the future. Prologis is a large owner of industrial and logistics real estate. They say that descriptions... That would be decisions. (laughs) Too early today. They say that decisions surrounding supply chains are becoming more holistic and data-driven than ever before, and that we'll see huge demand from these properties in the future. You know, they're absolutely right. We're seeing the impact of this throughout DFW with giant warehouses popping up from Alliance Airport in the far northwest down to Waxahachie in the far south. And, you know, I did a quick search on CoStar uh, to see the availability of warehouses that were 500,000 square feet or more. And there were 16 properties that could accommodate that already on the ground. Yeah, but that's only going to hold three of my trips from (laughs) Jeff for the things I order. (laughs) But here's the kicker. 16 on the ground now, 12 that are already under construction of the same size or more, but 42 that were somewhere in the planning process. There's clearly incredible demand that developers are trying to uh, accommodate for their future supply. Okay, so Prologis mentioned five forces that will be shaping logistics real estate in the future. Let's get after it. What's the first one? Well, it's the long-term structural growth rate rate of uh, logistics real estate. And, uh, and what they're really saying here is that production and trade-oriented uses have decreased relative to sort of a consumption-oriented use, which has increased. So, uh, you know, what this is really saying is that, you know, industrial is one sector of real estate that has really been positively affected by COVID-19. Okay, flesh that out for me just a bit. Production and trade-oriented, that means manufacturing is down, but distribution is up? Well, exactly. It's manufacturing and trade have always been sort of the historical drivers of of, uh, warehouse and industrial real estate. But as a percentage of growth, those aren't seeing the same rate of growth as logistics. Okay. I think e-commerce. Yeah. And so because e-commerce is being driven so much uh, through retail sales that have moved online, um, it's become a lot bigger factor, and it's also more space-intensive than uh, other uses. Okay, you're going to have to flesh that out. What do you mean it's more space-intensive? If it's going to Target or it's going to my house, it's the same space, right? Uh, no, actually it's not, uh, because <clears throat> if it's going to Target, um, Target is taking care of a lot of that inventory. Whereas if you're buying from some e-commerce platform, 
they have to handle all the inventory. And where do they handle that? In the warehouse. So all the product inventory is stored in the warehouse for quicker delivery. Uh, a second reason is that online retailers offer lots more options. So they have to carry all the options in the warehouse instead of just the ones they're in the process of delivering to uh, whatever your favorite bricks and mortar uh, store is. You know, we were just talking about that yesterday. It's gotten to where anymore, if I'm buying anything of significance, I'm always shopping online first because mm-hmm. that's where I see what everyone has. Then if I need to go touchy-feely, I can go to bricks and mortar. Well, but even in the bricks and mortar store, sometimes they'll tell me, sorry, we don't have that, but you can get it online. And they'll have yeah. it in their online store, but not in their bricks and mortar. Absolutely. And and it's interesting because you go to bricks and mortar because you want to touch it and feel it first or because you want to pick it up right now. And that's why uh, all the online retailers have been spending so much time trying to increase the speed with which they can deliver stuff so that they can compete with that brick and mortar. Jeff likes to bring me stuff same day. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a special Prime member, but... I'm afraid you are, sadly. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, another reason why e-commerce is more space-intensive uh, as it relates to industrial real estate is that the volatility in sales patterns uh, require deeper inventory. So, you know, somebody told us the other day that if you go on to Amazon and you look at an item twice, mm-hmm. Amazon is going to go ahead and ship that item to your closest, closest fulfillment yeah. center because they know you're going to buy that thing just by looking at it twice. Well, the algorithm shows if I scroll over it so many times, it's coming home. So it's it's brilliant. Well, and the technology that they're using is unbelievable. Well, another reason why it requires so much more space is because in traditional trade, you know, a a pallet comes in, which is a pallet's just this, you know, piece of wood with a whole bunch of stuff stacked on top of it. Well, when you're delivering pallets and you don't have to break those pallets down, it doesn't take as much space. But in e-commerce... Those pallets are broken down so that they can then ship those out in smaller parcels to the individual consumer. So that takes a lot more space to do that. Um, you know, a lot of times these fulfillment centers also offer extra things like assembly or reverse logistics. Okay. Reverse logistics means every time I send a package back to Jeff <laughs> that I didn't want. Yes, and you've been known to do that. <laughs> That's why I keep ordering from him. No questions asked. Well, one, one interesting stat that was in this Prologis report was that forecasts are that 125 million square feet of logistical space or more is going to be needed each year through 2025, and that's just in the U.S. and Europe. I, I don't know. That's, that's mind-blowing to me. Okay, number two on our list is technology and demographics are transforming retail. Transforming. Is that like a code word for killing? <laughs> you would think so, but I mean, not exactly. Prologis actually thinks that there'll be a bit of a brick-and-mortar bounce back uh, once COVID is kind of under control and people, you know, are wanting the excitement of going back into a store and, you know, touch and feel it and being able to grab it quickly and all that. But, you know, they also forecast that e-commerce will drive demand for warehouse and uh, and they consider consumers' insatiable need for goods, which seems to be unlimited. Uh, One of the things they mentioned was demographic trends. So over the last decade, over 2 billion people have gained access to the Internet. New customers for my friend Jeff. Yes. He he appreciates your efforts on that (laughs) front. You know, all those people are consumers like you and me. They want convenience. They want choice, reliability of delivery, and immediacy. So, 
the rapid pace of technological change uh, will allow for better management of the supply chain as well. Well, and I know this is a little off topic, but the advertising arm of Amazon is crazy. Influencers I follow on uh, Instagram will say, you know, this, 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 but just go to my Amazon store right? inside Amazon. Because they're totally altruistic people. <laughs> and getting a little slice of Jeff's yeah, pie. Give me a little piece. Um, well, COVID-19, you know, drove about five years of growth in e-commerce. And wrinkles on my face, but that's another topic. I mean, five years in one year. that That's incredible. Well, that that's the... The experiment that was the forced pandemic, as you like to say. Uh, the opposite. The oh. pandemic was the forced, forced. experiment. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I can't even think straight anymore. So much has happened in COVID. Some bad, some good, and some just astounding. And to me, this is one of the astounding things. They're basically saying that a five-year part of real estate cycle, which I looked up yesterday, is normally 18 years, mm. has been condensed to hardly anything. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's amazing. I've always felt like I was in a time warp as I get older, but COVID has just put me in the blender of time and well, spun me out. You talk about the, the, the cycle. E-commerce sales as a portion of overall retail sales in the U.S. has gone from 4% in 2011 to 20% in 2020. Mm -hmm. Now, it wouldn't have been 20% in 2020 had it not been for the pandemic, but still, it's pretty amazing. You know, something I learned that was kind of interesting when all this happened, and I started this new thing called drive-by groceries. <laughs> <laughs> and I found out my neighbor had been doing it for years. And I, that was kind of cool to me, but it was like, well, why are they so hip and cool? It was a convenience factor for them. They just went online, ordered what they want. I'll pick it up Tuesday at 10. Well, you know, and all this was attempted in the in the dot com boom of oh. the late nineties, early two thousands. But you know, there was too much too fast. The internet really wasn't quite up to the uh, up to speed yet to do that, and so those didn't really last. And all those companies went under. But now, fast forward ten mm -hmm. years, the internet is so much faster. The supply chain is so much better. And it can be done. Well, and it's effective because the first time I thought someone's going to pick out my tomatoes and strawberries, they're going to look like crap. Right. They didn't. Just the opposite. It's beautiful. It's good. delivered to my door or I go pick it up. Yeah. Well, amazing. you know, another thing is that consumer habits are kind of sticky. You know, once once a barrier is, is lowered, think old people learning how to shop online, the ease of use will overcome the old buying habits and keep people buying online. And I think we're going to see that, even though there may be a brick-and-mortar bounce back uh, for a little bit anyway, I still think people are going to say, well, yeah, I really don't want to go to the store for that. Then they'll just order it online. It's no longer not going out of fear. It's not going because it's more convenient. Right. Well, and then there's innovations and in investments that have been made to the supply chain during the pandemic and in its wake, that wouldn't have been made as quickly, but that has increased the competitiveness in e-commerce, and it's going to that's going to continue into the future. And you know, the other thing is sadly because of the pandemic, brick and mortar stores have closed in record numbers, and uh, and more will probably be closed or converted to other uses. I saw recently that Walmart is converting one of their stores, which is a just a retail store, mm -hmm. the one in Richardson on North Central Expressway, and, and that. that's going to be turned into a, a fulfillment center. Now, it's you can still go there to pick up your stuff, but you're not going inside right. to, to go walk around a shop. 
Pretty amazing. Number three we have on our list is logistics best practices are going global. You know, everything's global, right? Um, everywhere is local anymore <laughs> to somebody. Uh, my, the expression I like best is Thomas Friedman's book, The World is Flat. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, you know, as companies go global, so do the need for their logistics space. So, you know, there's this huge rise in consumer classes throughout the world, which uh, create further demand. You know, we mentioned the 2 billion people that have gotten Internet. Well, that helps increase that consumer class. And um, and so Prologis has this um, stat that they threw out that was pretty interesting. They said that uh, for every consumer household brought into that consumer class, you need another 35 square feet of logistics space. So 2 billion people, 35 square feet, do the math. <laughs> and if you only raise that ratio by 5 to 15 square feet per household by 30, 2030, which is what they're predicting, it would drive another demand for 3 to 4 billion billion square feet of industrial space. Now, that's worldwide, but still. Well, and Elon can build it on Mars, right? We could have a fulfillment <laughs> center may, there. We may have to. So, kind of going back, how is all this going to affect our old standard of just-in-time model of all this distribution of warehousing? Yeah, that, that's a great question because, you know, the supply chain is extremely complex and truly global, and it was kind of exposed during COVID and the recent Texas storm, you know, there are really three three things that Prolog just mentioned that uh, w were issues that need to be addressed. So one thing is minimal on hand inventory. So like you say, the just in time, <clears throat> when you only have enough for the next three days or the next week. Think toilet paper, people. Exactly. That <clears throat> creates problems. Or we also found that there was a single source of origin problem. I mean, all the, the, the masks, right? The N95. Think China. Yeah, well, and... They were all being made in one place, mm -hmm. in one factory. It was in Wuhan, right? I don't really remember <laughs> where it was, but <laughs> it was somewhere. And then just long lead times and trade bottlenecks. I mean, all these things have gone into um, the, um, the whole supply chain sort of uh, test and, uh, and exposed needs for improvement. Okay, number four, location matters more than ever for logistics real estate customers. So as a realtor, I just have to say, location, location, location. Oh, okay, boy. go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned just in time. And so it's interesting that because now we're talking about location, that brings into the uh, picture, it's not just a just in time model anymore, but a just in case model. Exactly what you said that Jeff does. If I scroll something twice, it's going to my closest fulfillment right. center. So that is the just in case she needs it by tomorrow. Well, <laughs> yes, but... What about the situation where you're saying, all right, I'm going to go ahead and make all these face masks, let's say, just in case there's another pandemic. Am I going to who, who's going to put the money into building all that, making all those things to storing all those things to maybe distributing them throughout the world on some sort of uh, sort of preemptive basis? You know, is that going to be a private entity or is that going to be governments? You know, we have a strategic oil supply in the United States that we've had forever. And um, and so that's theoretically there for emergencies. Uh, are we going to see the same thing for these other kinds of things? So all that being said, that may create some more demand for manufacturing to be brought back to the United States so it's closer to home. Um, or putting it in low-cost options to China, like Mexico. Uh, and, you know, this could increase levels of... 
uh, inventory, I'm, I'm sorry, let me say that a different way. Inventory levels of products could be increased by 5 to 10% because of this need to have the just-in-case right. uh, situation. But it also could create another uh, huge demand for more warehouse space. And again, back to the Prologis estimates, they're saying that could be another 57 to 114 million square feet of warehouse buildings. Um, number five, the price elasticity of demand has decreased. Okay, <laughs> back up. What is price elasticity? Well, define it for me. Yeah, or it's basically <laughs> price sensitivity. Actually, yeah, that's exactly what it is because price elasticity, if the price is elasticity, I have a hard time even saying it, <laughs> falls. We're just going to skip this paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> well, the less a buyer of a product is willing to reduce the quantity demanded due to the price increase. So if the price goes up, you know what? I want it anyway. Think chocolate. <laughs> exactly. So... In our house, that is true. Chocolate's a price um, price insensitive, but you know, real estate is becoming price insensitive in the overall supply chain because the real estate cost actually only accounts for about five percent of the overall supply chain. That shocked me when I read that. I was shocked. Yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised about that to some extent, not terribly, but you know, since real estate costs don't represent a large portion of total costs, then changes in the rental rates charge for those offices, I'm sorry, for those warehouses, don't scare the users off. They'll they'll pay more because, you know what, eh, 5%, all right, now it's 5.1%. Cost of doing business. Exactly. So, um, you know, as more rent landlords are able to, to uh, collect means that they can pay more money for the buildings. So we're, we are going to see not only pressure up on um, rents, which, by the way, in DFW, in the one year of COVID, we saw rents on industrial buildings go up 18%. So that means now the price of the buildings can go up as well. So, um, you know, that's going to have a big impact. So with improved technology, planning, the right location, rate sensitivity is far less of an issue. The other thing that surprised me was when it said transportation is 50% of the cost. Yeah. 50 it is, and I think the transportation, um, well, you think about that, it takes time, it takes fuel, it takes trucks and trains and planes, and a lot Lots of Lots of insurance. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, it seems the industrial surge will continue to grow in the near and distant future if these projections we're expostulating here <laughs> are anywhere near close. Is there any reason you might see for it slowing down? You know, not really. You know, your dad once said, uh, or probably a lot of times said, once the cow's out of the barn. So, you know, the ease and use of ordering online are basically changing our world, and it's going to continue. More and more is going to be available online. Uh, I mean, you can order a car online, for goodness sake. You know, the world's urban population doubled over the last 30 years and is forecast to do that again over the next 30 years. I'm feeling claustrophobic. Well, then wrap this up. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast. At Riata Commercial Realty, we exclusively serve companies that lease or purchase office, industrial, and warehouse space. We never represent landlords. Find us at texastenantrep.com. Or give us a call at 972-677-0028. Hey, thanks for listening. 
please give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening to this, and uh, maybe a, a review would be nice, and that'll help other people find this information. See you next week. Bye.